Hey, this is your host Chris here. So this episode will consist of a first part, which will be uh, the free episode. And if you want to listen to the second part, please subscribe to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash planamag. And then you can hear the second part of this episode. So please enjoy the following. And because, or the, is it because the, of the percentage that they take, yeah, the platforms all take like like thirty percent or some ridiculous number now. Hmm. Um, so to make to at least make even, like you have to raise your base price. Um, but there's also stuff about how like thrifting has become like a Gen Z cultural thing, like a fashion movement. Yeah. And so like, like all Depop. these richer kids, yeah, Depop mm-hmm. is a big culprit. So all these kids who are richer kids who are doing it for like fashion and style are driving prices up. So that if you go to the thrift shop as like an actual, you know, poor person, right, trying to buy clothes, it, it's mm-hmm. become a lot more difficult because everything's been jacked up in price because the market's willing to absorb it. So it's yeah. kind of messed up. Yeah. Is it like yeah. the flipping market, but for clothing? Is yeah. that exactly. what yeah. That's what it turned yeah. into. I, I definitely noticed that in my, like in LA, like thrifting and vintage, the line is very blurry. Like thrifting mm-hmm. implies like cheap, vintage implies it can be super expensive, right? Um, yeah, like going to decades. Yeah, everything mm-hmm. kind of shifted upward. So now every instead of thrifting, like most places will kind of brand themselves as vintage stores and mm. price accordingly. But it's still you look inside and still stuff like it'll be like um like I don't know, a free people t- thing just from like 5 years ago or something. Mhm. Yeah. And still priced like like it would be like barely like a little just a little bit cheaper than what like MSRP is on a on a current piece now. Hmm. And free people is so expensive. Yeah, to begin with, yeah. So it's a that's it's a vintage a weird... store. No, no, no. She just means like three free people is getting thrifted now. Like as in, people are just flipping. Yeah, it's a mass market it, brand. But free people is that a brand? It's a brand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a brand. Um, it's like it's the not... boho. So there's yeah. Urban Outfitters, and then there's Free People. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Urban Outfitters would be the more urban one, and then Free People is the boho one. It's kind of like Revolve, like yeah. that crowd. But the point you're making is that it's contemporary, right? This is, like, new stuff, and it's mm-hmm. considered, It's still mass-market, mass-produced right. stuff. Yeah. It's just on the slightly higher end. And, like, somebody... So, basically, probably, like, some someone just brought in their unused stuff, dropped it off at the, at the shop, and, the, and then the store, like, up, up, marked it up as vintage, and then put it back on the rack. Mm-hmm. Yep. Look, it's better than landfill. Yeah, I guess. I mean, actually, all this is relevant to the pod, and I actually started recording a couple of minutes ago. So I'll just introduce <laughs> us, and then you can just resume right into this conversation. So, welcome everyone! Another episode of Escape from Planet for you. I'm your often usual host, Chris, joined by Liza, Jess, and Philip. What's up? Hey. hey what's up? Yeah. All right, Jess, uh, resume yeah. your talk. <laughs> I can't just resume on a dime like that. That was a All rant. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll introduce Big the topic picture, and then you can warm up. Uh, just ranting I, I about listeners... inflation. <laughs> it's a good old-fashioned rant about inflation. You've heard it once, you've heard it a million times. All right. Uh, while Jess uh, gathers her thoughts again, listeners, this episode, it's one we've been wanting to do for quite a while. We were supposed to do this a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. I think we were all kind of busy, so we had to push it off. But we want to talk about beauty standards. There's been this weird like rash of articles about fem cells, which just happened to coincide very nicely because I think it's all interconnected. And uh, we are admittedly quite a, like a male-dominated pod, but it's very nice. I mean, we have interest in talking about uh, fashion and stuff like that. So it's very nice to you know delve into these topics. So Jess, are you, are you ready to resume? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, basically, I don't know when it's the, I don't know when the camera started rolling here on this, um, uh, but living in LA, like the vintage and thrift market has gotten really blurry. So, um, like, re- like clothing reselling, like if you, if you think you're going to go to like a thrift store to buy, to save a few bucks on buying new clothes, um, you're going to be sorely disappointed more often than not, unless you go to like actual like Goodwill or something. Um, I heard so, yeah, we're some- just all, we're just all running around looking poor and ratty. 
I don't know how to enforce like some, people anymore. I heard there's some kind of like woke backlash to vintaging because they say you are oh. raising the price of clothes that are essentially meant for low income people. Yeah. I think what's happened is that with the so like social media has made like Depop, for example, has made thrifting look all glamorous. Same with all the thriftive stuff on like Instagram. And I think it's just become like a bunch of rich kid rich kids thrifting to each other. Like basically just trading off each other's clothing. Can you explain what Depop is? I've only recently heard of this what is Depop? Depop is a resale app. But so like, like Craigslist, but for clothes. But it's, well, the people that use Depop have a very, very, they have a pretty like advanced sense of, um, of visuals. So like the stuff is photographed and it's like so curated. Mm, so it's mm-hmm. like cool Craigslist, not like actual yeah. Craigslist. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not so like Poshmark. Be, it doesn't look thrifted. Be... It's so styled. Yeah. It's super curated. Um, a lot of the stuff on it is like, it's not even old. And if it is old, it's like super rare stuff. Like this is like either collectors type people or it is like super fashionista. You're like, you'll find like, I don't know, like two seasons ago Revolve, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, it's still going to be like $175 or like maybe three seasons ago Reformation. Yeah, it's it's not like um it's not like um you know Craigslist or eBay or whatever. You're just throwing your your used crap on there, right? It's like it's kind of like you're running a store. You feel like you're running your own thrift shop. A boutique, right? yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Exa- that's a good that's a better term for it. And I think it's it's all in part of like this whole new trend around thrifting and vintage. You can call it that, um, and the lifestyle. It's kind of a lifestyle to some extent, right? Like mm-hmm. I think TikTok has made it into that in the sense that if you go on TikTok, you follow you know thrifters and so on. They have those like videos where they show you them just trying stuff on trying outfits mm-hmm. on outfit mm-hmm. of the day OOTD but they also have I don't know why I know so much about this <laughs> but they they also have um videos where it's they okay. you eat... can admit you're a creep I know <laughs> hey, guys are it's guys are into media. it too right they they have entire videos creeps. of them going out and spending an entire day thrifting and like filming them not just trying the outfits on at the end but just going to shops and trying stuff at the shops and mm-hmm. so on so it's it's a whole like you know, subculture as we were discussing, Chris, right? Like it's, it's created its own subculture within um, TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, I have a I have a friend who was has been on our pod once, uh, Jane. She's a she's a bit younger than us, and she um, introduced me to this podcast because the the one one we did recently on um, just about how you know the, the skill is just becoming devalued. She said. Um, this this podcast was speaking on, on the similar topic. It's called Nymphet Alumni. And I think they're kind of, they're young women in their mid to late 20s, I think. And they talk, they're all, I think, art slash fashion school uh, Are they all graduates. white? Yes. And they go so in-depth into just the little like minutiae of like, oh, this this core versus this core, you know, and, and, and the shifting tides or whatever. And I just find it, oddly fascinating because this is obviously a world that i don't have any connection you mean like, to you mean like cottage core versus goth core versus like you know yeah something about how and- like um you know the influence of american apparel on you know kind of like everyone born i guess from millennials onwards to like rookie meg to whatever the hell is mm-hmm. going on now so we'll get we'll probably uh, get into that but it's it's been uh, you know, a good little crash course into what all this is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, why don't we delve into some of these articles that uh, have come out? We, we can start with the one on the cut because this was the one that galvanized us to try to do this episode. It's on this subreddit called How to Be Hot. And it's been, um, I mean, we were supposed to do it like weeks ago. So I ha- have to kind of refresh myself on it. But there is this. Well, you'll put a link in the show notes. Right. Uh, I think the gist of it is there is a subreddit called How to Be Hot, uh, which is all about women just trying to give each other tips on, like, look, we live in a very superficial society, all this claptrap about, you know, just be yourself and let your personality shine through. Fuck that shit. That's getting us nowhere. I appreciate the name of the subreddit. (laughs) It's very to the point. It's very to the point. (laughs) And they're just trading tips on how to 
work with what you've got. Maybe can you give an example of some of the advice that's given on there? You can, you can read, I can read this like paragraph here from yeah, sure. the article, right? It says like, they're, t- they're talking about the questions um, in in the sub and there's like, this says here, they range from the harmless, how to combat facial puffiness slash validness, question mark, to the intimate, how to hide your plastic surgery from family, to the theoretical. Is it possible to go from a four to an eight? Those are the kinds of questions and conversations I guess they have. Mm, I've never been on the okay. sub, but I'm, I'm guessing that's the kind of the nature of the questions, right? Mm-hmm. Here's pa- paragraph says, the, the subreddit r slash how to be hot is distinctively not a femcel subreddit, but according to the intro post, the founding moderator values some of our vindicta, which I think was kind of the predecessor to how to be hot. Some said vindicta had been banned from Reddit. That is false. I w- I'm just on it right now. So that that is fake news. And <laughs> so this is, I think this thing that that seems to be growing um in spite of society's efforts to to try to be less superficial especially with respect to women's looks i don't know it just seems to be getting worse and worse um i don't know is it what, is what it do you guys think? is it significant that this came from vindicta like that was a femcel sub right i don't know if anyone here has lurked there before like like that's a very specific place for that to come from as opposed to coming from just like manifesting on its own and just being like, you know, having just having conversations about um, like, you know, like, like ask me, like ask men Reddit, I think is a subreddit where like guys just trade stories, but it has no connection to the manosphere. You know what I'm talking about? No, that's very benign. Like ask men Reddit would not, like you would not get tagged for having a posting history there. And that's like, there's right. ask women, there's ask men. Right. Um, it's benign. Exactly. Versus like it comes, from, versus fight, it comes yeah. from like the kind of dark, you know, not dark web, but like you know the kind of like manosphere space, the 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 like womanosphere space, whatever it could be, that that would give it a certain angle, right? How to be hot versus uh you know just like female fashion device, our our female fashion device or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, magazines don't exist anymore. Didn't women used to get this kind of information from like InStyle or Allure or like Cosmo? They they exist. Yep. They just don't do that kind of thing anymore. Well, nobody pays attention to them anymore. Well, the circulation yeah. is just way down. And, and like Teen Vogue doesn't even do beauty anymore, do they? They just do like po- like politics stuff, like yeah. activism yeah. articles. Like cele- it's mostly celebrity and then like social issues. Like don't get me wrong, like I love their stuff. Sometimes it's hilarious. Um, but Wait, I don't, Teen Vogue I, or Teen Vogue Allure. Okay. Um, uh, but otherwise, it's uh, it's like Allure is just most of it is like brand sponsorships. So it's uh, so it's just like PR for for um, it's just like a trade show for different <laughs> brands. So the entire idea is, uh, you know, when when those got co-opted, um, you just want advice from people who are more like you. And that's where the social media influencer took off, because mm-hmm. the idea there is just somebody who, you know, may l- share some similarities with you. You just vibe with whatever, you know, what the energy that they're putting out. And then they're, they're more sponsored than the magazines. <laughs> yeah. So there was a golden period of that. That was probably like around like what, like 2010 to maybe 2015. I think even before that, because like when I started following um, Ami Song, Song of Style. Oh, that's true. That's like that YouTube back, in the old, old days. Like that was back in the day when her blog was still like on WordPress. Mm-hmm. And it was her mom taking pictures of her on the sidewalk by her house. Her clothing was purchased all by herself. And it would be like Target mixed with like Forever 21 mixed with like Gap. Mm-hmm. Was that an influential blog? Super. Yeah, because now she's what? Now she's like, what, at 6 million? How many followers does she have now? She's like a Christelle Lim. I think she has like 10 million followers or something. Some some outrageous number. She's constantly front seat at like New York Fashion Week. And now she's sponsored by like Dior. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like Dior will sponsor her trips to Paris. Mm -hmm. But but what I'm asking is like, like young women of that generation were new about it it was like in the but, zeitgeist yeah there, there was a time like, when girls like ami song and like michelle fan were yeah. still unsponsored and it was very like diy and it was like it was it was a novelty mm-hmm. and it's over mm-hmm. and what's replaced it do you think well the same shit that they were rebelling against it's just a younger like in style it's just a younger generation yeah yeah it's the same thing it's all sponsored at the ass I mean, you were like an Instagram fashion influencer for some time. Do you have any stories to share? Um, I mean, 
you don't have to. I can cut this part out if you don't want. No, want, those but. days are behind me now. I mean, like you get to a certain point. I think I started doing it in like 2014 mm-hmm. and that was still kind of late to the game, but you could still do it. You know, you, you there was still like the window was still kind of open, but sometime around like, I guess 20, 2018 or 19 is when I just stopped doing it. Cause like, if you don't have a shit zillion followers by then, <laughs> And you're not sponsored by like the big brands, like a Target or like, like a L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just going to tell you to go fucking learn how to code, you know? <laughs> and and yeah. then you're saying you, you can't make enough money to make a living off of it. No, it's saying? impossible. If you got yeah. in at, if you got in and like the days of Instagram, like 2010 or something mm-hmm. when, you know, it's like a shock if somebody gets like a hundred likes, you know, mm-hmm. if you got in at that point or even like 2011 or 2012, I think you could do it. Um, I got in too late. Now it's just embarrassing to do it. <laughs> I mean, it's been embarrassing to do it. Like, especially when you see young people now trying to, to get in on it now, like trying to be a fashion influencer. It's mm-hmm. so cringe. Mm-hmm. But it's I like hard. what I've evolved in. I like what I've evolved into much more. Like now I just do movie reviews for like Focus Features or Fox Searchlight or Warner Brothers and the occasional Marvel movie. <laughs> the kids like it. It works out well. They get all excited about about the movies. They like doing they like doing the red carpet stuff and uh it's like a, it's like a um it's like a faux red carpet, you know? Like when you go to they the events. Fun. When you go to the fun. events, they always have a camera and a green screen mm-hmm. and you'll walk down and you get to choose your background and the kids like to do that and they like <laughs> to pick up all the merch. So it's fun. It's fun for them, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a more much it's like a, a like a niche, um, a more niche way to interact with uh, social media that still like that still fosters your own interests in it that isn't like just a strict um, like that's the thing about like influencers you have to kind of uh, game the algorithm so you mm-hmm. kind of have to be, mm-hmm. be like really strict about the content you're putting out you cannot stray from your the lane that you decided to be in or you will you will be punished pretty hard. Yeah, and not only that, I've read, and, and Liza, you, you probably know about this, is that a lot of time and energy is spent trying to predict how the algorithm is going to change, because I don't think it stays constant. So you got, No, you know, it doesn't. You have to pick out, you have to be so careful about what time you post. Right, you know? all the stuff like that. Or I, I heard what even they were post? like, they were trying to, I'm, I'm assuming this was Instagram, they were thinking, okay, this season, what's the color that they're going to like? Yeah. And it, it's, uh-huh. it's so... It's so insane to, to have to- the minute I dyed my hair back to black. Um, I started bleeding oh, no. followers, and the algorithm no longer Jeez, favored that's me. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like there so you have I can it, right? see why there are so many Asian girls on there with blonde hair, and it just gets blonder and blonder. But you're saying right. also it doesn't matter anymore. Like they're, they're just kind of wasting their time, right? That, or maybe they moved on to like TikTok or some other platform. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, it kind of means that these influencers are gig workers in their own, in their own way. They are they are being manipulated by this platform. That's called, let's say Instagram here or Facebook. Yeah, I mean, all of them will have some some degree of this. Um, and you, but you are the one producing your content nominally for your own channel. But you still have to serve the greater interest of that platform if you want to get mm-hmm. any traction at all. You are not guaranteed pay or anything from this. It's just simply whatever scraps you want to get, you still have to play by their rules um, to get it. So do you? So, do you think yep. it's not? I think maybe it's two things, right? Maybe it's. I think I agree. It's that because the algorithm dictates everything. Like it dictates how many people see your thing and then click on it, right? But mm-hmm. to get people to click on it, you also probably need to adhere to some mainstream perception or or, or standard of beauty. Yeah, absolutely. Or hotness, right? Which I you, think yeah. is it's like a beauty trend more than it is a standard, right? I mean. Let's talk about people like Erica Sato and Ashley V. I don't know if you guys know who they are on Instagram. No. Can you explain? Okay. So uh, what does Erica Sato, Sato do, Jess? I, you know what? I've, I've known of her for like 10 years. I don't exactly know what she does. Just Instagram um, girl? I think, Just, yeah. She's a, I think she's, a very, she's an OG YouTuber yeah. and then pivoted mm-hmm. to Instagram. Um, you know, a very, very common transition, uh, still has millions of followers. So, um, I think by now she must be in her like 
40s, like late 30s or 40s, I think. Um, she's just been at this for so long. Um, I think she makes Same her money from Ashley. like brand sponsorships. Yeah. Uh-huh. Brand sponsorships. Um, you know, I think that's the primary vehicle for this. I, you don't get any money from like ads or anything on, on these. Pla- I, maybe actually, I don't know. Maybe she does make money, significant money from her YouTube ads or something. I don't know. But I get the feeling most of it is brand sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And Ashley V goes by Miss Ashley V, M.S. Ashley V on Instagram. And um, if anyone's been following her, like I stopped following her years ago. But when I first started following her, it's because I, you know, I thought she was pretty and I wanted to click like on all, you know, I just was curious. So I followed her and I click like on her pretty pictures. But now when I looked at her, <clears throat> Jess, when we both looked at her a couple days ago, oh god, <laughs> she is like okay. So Are those this implants? is of course they are. She was flat-chested like years ago. I, I'm she looking was at, flat. at her right now, and like that does not look like a natural ass. That's her just... totally, her total face has morphed into into this. I think mm. she looks like a dude with tits <laughs> and a lot she's of makeup a, on. She's it's a, she's, she's Arika Sato and Ashley V have hit Uncanny Valley. Where they don't look yeah. real. They look like sex droids or they look like dudes with, with boobs. Why don't you do this, Chris? Why don't you Google Ashley V like before and after or something and see what Google pops up? Sure. Oh, man. But a lot of people have said like the Instagram look is very transsexual. It is. The, look it, at it her nose. Very very look at her mouth. And yeah, look at her dramatic. tits. Her, she's got like, uh, she probably gets a BBL. Like, I don't know. She gets injections constantly. It doesn't mm-hmm. look real anymore. It looks like a blow-up doll. Yeah, she has changed a lot. And do you think she? Cha- I mean, from what you've seen, Liza and Jess, like, have you? Do you feel like the two of them have changed because they're trying to keep up with the times, i.e., the algorithm, and also, you know, the, I would the, say the that the trends viewers? have gotten really ugly. Okay. Like I yeah. think, like beauty. We talk about beauty standards, but I think that we need to differentiate between beauty trends and beauty standards because the standards really. They don't change that much. Long hair, a, the pretty much the same hip to waist ratio. Um, the, the symmetric face thing they always bring up? That is that a thing? I guess so. I, I don't think that the face has to be that symmetrical because like sometimes when I look at those, um, those like a, like those tests that you take, those quizzes of like which one looks better, this one or this one. A lot of times when they make the face more symmetrical, mm-hmm. I think that the before picture looks better. Like when they were a little <laughs> bit asymmetrical. Because it's more natural maybe? Well, because yeah. it looks like, more natural. Like and then yeah. the, right, the symmetrical starts to look a little bit like the uncanny valley. But I mean, what I'm mm-hmm. saying is like beauty standards, for example, like beauty trends, I don't think ever or hardly ever become a standard like let's talk about like the 1920s for example when women were rebelling against the victorian era so they cut their hair off and they started wearing like a drop waist you know where it doesn't accentuate the woman's figure anymore that didn't stay because you know over the year over the decades long hair just kept coming back over and over again as the standard and same with like a woman's hip to waist, the, the hourglass shape of a woman's body. Like that just kept coming back and it's yeah, always like the, the standard. The, the Kardashian look of the, I guess, twenty late 2010s, maybe. The, I don't know what yeah, that was. Yeah, the early that's Kardashian example. look. Right. That's sure. A, that's, and like now it's got so exaggerated with all the, the Brazilian butt lifts and like the inflated lips. Mm-hmm. Everyone looks like, or like the out of control lash extensions. <laughs> oh, oh. Like they were pretty when mm-hmm. they were just really wispy and it was like you would go and get extreme lashes and you would just get like the classic lashes, just one wispy lash per natural lash. And now it looks like caterpillars or I don't I know when you guys go out. Do you see, died on their eyes. It's yeah, so do you guys gross. you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah like, I know what you're talking about. When you see like very, very conspicuously fake yeah, lashes. Like, obviously fake. Are we talking about lashes or eyebrows? Lashes. 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 We can talk about eyebrows too. too. Everything's gotten way more cartoonish, like way more exaggerated. I think that they're going to be looked upon with regret and disgust in a few years. None of these will become standards. Yeah, you know the whole thing about like microblading and like how the tattoos like that never looks good. Yeah, but there's no, a time no. See, when- okay, here's a here's a fallacy though. You say it never looks good. No, what you're saying is when it looks bad, it looks when it's noticeable, it looks bad. 
The good right. stuff's true. I like guarantee you. That's I true. guarantee you. A lot of the women you know do have microbladed yeah. eyebrows. You just don't know it because it just looks very natural. Yeah. So when these trends were first introduced, like lash extensions mm-hmm. and um, microbladed eyebrows, they were very natural looking. And then it was like people wanted you to know that they got it done. Like they wanted you to know that they got lash extensions. They want you to know that they got microbladed brows. They want you to know that they got their lips filled. So instead of one syringe, a filler in your mouth, you would get like three syringes and it just looks over the top like a duck mouth or a fish mouth. Yeah, there's also this distortion effect of being behind a camera versus seeing someone in the flesh. Um, yeah. Just being in LA, like you, you do end up seeing a lot of influencers out in the wild doing their thing. One <laughs> thing that I always notice is just how different they look. Like I, like there were a couple of times where I just saw her like t- doing the Photoshop. I mean, doing the photo shoot, and then like I'd happen to see to see like see the results of that on Instagram or something. One, you're thing talking to- about Kylie Jenner, aren't you? No, I'm not. I, I don't think I've ever seen mm-hmm. her. Um, but, but like, she looks like, really different in video yeah. than she does in pictures. Is it about like yeah. FaceApp and stuff, Jess? Like FaceApp, FaceApp 2? No, like- um, there's also that. But um, to do makeup, like what looks good in real life and what looks good um, as a picture are very, right. very different things. So mm, if you want to yeah. look good in a picture, you kind of, you know, like stage makeup is super mm. exaggerated, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like we've all heard like the grease paint and the, the super sharp contouring and, you know, even the men have to go through all that just so that, uh, not even for vanity purposes, is so that, you know, people in the back row can see the expression on your face. And because um, the camera flattens so much. Right. Yeah. And the, the lights are re- super bright, so it washes everything out. You just have to car- like put all that dimension back in. Um Kind of the same thing is going on here. So a lot of these girls, especially if you're learning how to do makeup from YouTube or from Instagram or something, you are looking at and you are you are gauging whether you want to learn this technique based on how it looks as a picture from a camera. So chances right. are it's, it's going to be it's way more exaggerated. Like learning how to do stage makeup for real life, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. two so different you see kinds like, of makeup. A barista with like like super like like super black thick eyebrows and you know like little caterpillars coming off her her eyes like there's a little distortion effect over time too like as you get used to that image you're gonna need a little bit more just to be able to recognize they probably that, feel so mm. naked if they do natural yeah. looking makeup yeah yeah it's like an arms race right you keep ratcheting up the the excess but at the same time it's a trend right to to your point Liza so it, it eventually goes away like I kind of wonder if you look at this stuff now. And you think it looks weird because maybe you're a little bit ahead of the trend. You've seen too much of it. And maybe five years ago, you looked at it and you thought, this is natural. This is like, this is good now. That stuff mm-hmm. changes with time too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sticking to time, uh, Eliza, I, I did what you said. I looked up Ashley V. The problem is I don't know what she's supposed to look like. So I just typed in Ashley V 2010. I figured that's like a good before period. Uh-huh. I see some pictures here and there. I assume that's her. Yeah, she does look more like. A person. Normal. A person. Uh, she doesn't now, look like a sex looks, droid or like a tranny. Yeah, she looks like, yeah, uh, you know, like have balloons have been implanted in various places <laughs> on her body. And just, yeah. and her face. <laughs> her face is totally different now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She and doesn't even like, look Filipino anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she's Filipino. I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like overly. Yeah, you didn't even um, know. Yeah, like Ari Casado and Ashley V. These are these are some of the OGs. So these were the girls that were that were big. Like we're talking like maybe even like 15 years ago. So I think there's also the like they were um, super pretty back then. Yeah. So so we're not so we're also we haven't touched on the topic of like aging in the public eye or on social media either. Like these are we are in a very youth aesthetic driven culture. Um, I don't people always criticize that. I don't know if people have ever not been in a have have, have been in a period where like youth aesthetics weren't valued or prized. Um, but that aside, I think part of the distortion is uh, these are these are women who have to keep up. You know, their 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 paychecks are tied to their social media presence. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as they, you know, as if the algorithm punishes you for changing, big one is going to be aging. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to start doing more and more extreme things to either uh, get ahead or just stay in place. These girls mm-hmm. are staying in place. And they're, this is the, this is a sign of that they are working really hard just to maintain the level of engagement that they currently have right now. It's not ever, they're not ever going to get higher than where they are now, I think. Uh, this, is, this is treading water. And it's mm-hmm. getting really, really um, desperate looking, in my opinion. Um, and sad. Yeah, for... Um... 
I mean, I've been wanting to read the beauty myth for a while, and I finally did it, sort of just to get some background information, possibly for this pod. And one one of the arguments that Naomi Wolf makes is that the heightened beauty standards uh, is a direct response to women's rise generally, you know, politically, economically, socially, culturally. And I can see she she makes some convincing arguments when she brings up like various laws, uh, for instance, um, that would say it's okay for a employer to take looks into account to hire someone. But then if that person uh, complains of sexual assault or even rape, the fact that she was dressed hot can work against her. I mean, that, that seems completely outrageous. But I think one thing that she either doesn't or refuses to acknowledge is that the reason, like she often brings up the fact that, you know, like, I mean, this was, I think the book came out in the 90s, right? Or maybe very early 2000s. And back then, the the ideal body 90s. was- 90s. Very skinny, right? The heroin chic, that, that was like the Kate Moss era. And she was talking about how, you know, in, in the days past, a uh, more voluptuous woman uh, with, you know, more natural fat deposits uh, were valued because that was that was a sign of like a good childbearer. Uh, but now uh, those naturally feminine features are discriminated against in favor of this unnatural, almost masculine, you know, no breasts, no no ass, Kate no Moss. hips, that kind of thing. Yeah, Ukrainian supermodels. Yeah. Right, but then the thing I thought of was, well, the reason they don't value child rearing is soci- if society doesn't value children, and the, you know, the, and I think that's kind of true of our society these days. I think one could make a good argument for that. Then why would it value child rearing women? And I think one of the reasons she doesn't want to address that is because then you would have to link this um, idealization of the more curvaceous, voluptuous woman to the role of the woman as a childbearer. So it's like, okay, she doesn't want the, the skinny, uh, anorexic, bulimic standard, but she also doesn't want women to go to be held up as mothers. Uh, what, what do you guys think about that? Why not? Why didn't you say that? Like, did she say, she didn't say that, you're just inferring that. Well, because that, that standard, like, you know, mo- most, I think, mainstream feminists would not want women to be primarily looked at as mothers okay. and caregivers okay. to children and family, family values, all that. Uh, but if, if a society doesn't value that, then why would they value? Like it has no reason to value the, the motherly figure. Instead, they will just go for just pure sex and eternal like teenage them slash youth. That, that's kind of what Isn't, would naturally Aren't the occur, female right? beauty standards so tied to fertility? Yeah, right, so are. I'm saying, but once fertility is not that valued, then why would say like wide hips, ample breasts, you know, like a, a, a fat body fat percentage of somewhere between 25 to 30 percent? Why would that be valued? Like, why not just make women almost like boys? I think the mistake there is uh, you're um, you're assuming people are more rational than they are, <laughs> and that society acts in line with uh with with rationality like if that were true then you know fake boobs wouldn't be such a thing either i mean maybe maybe one of the things that it's been a while since i read the beauty myth i skimmed it a little bit um i didn't come across the passage that you're you're talking about but um i'm just going off on on my own here uh it's it's assuming that when i'm saying like you're 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 acting like people are more rational than they are you're acting you're saying that like um if uh, if we just some if we as a society just uh, um, deprioritize child rearing, then we are free to we are actually free to come up with our own idea of what what beauty is. Um, I think the thing that that Naomi Wolf was grappling with, and that we are all are kind of dealing with, is that uh, modern society is largely artificial. But we still are, you know, physical beings. We have our instincts, and we have we have our own history of of evolution uh, to bear bearing down on us. So it's a it's a constant conflict between the two, and that plays out in really contentious social wars. Um, right. I don't think, and you know, they talk about you know, like the the malnourished, uh, the starving, like supermodels, you know, the six foot tall, fourteen year olds that are stick thin, um, walking down runways, and and I remember that narrative too. Um, but at the same time, like, if you look, if you actually look at the numbers, what was going down in the nineties, we didn't have we didn't have an epidemic of starving girls. 
they were there, of course. Bulimia, anorexia, those were all problems that did exist. And I'm not and I'm not trying to minimize those numbers. But if you actually look at charts of what like what was actually going on, what, what was a bigger problem was an obesity crisis. In the US though, right? Like, in the US. Yeah. Like why is it in right? The 90s? About, in the nineties, yeah. So while the media was obsessed over really over like anorexia um and these like super thin supermodels. Um, the one of the one of the serious problems that wasn't getting much mention at all is uh, the rising rate of childhood obesity. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's it's true. Odd, you didn't right? really. I don't remember people really talking about the obesity ep- epidemic until that movie Super Size Me came out, mm-hmm. and that was well that into was, the two thousands. Is, yeah. Isn't that also a bias of like who's in the elite like culture class? I, I mm-hmm. think um, there there's this podcast uh, a friend of mine. Uh, turn me on to it's actually called the incel project it's very interesting it's hosted by this woman who since 2019 has taken a very and imagine striking up subway conversation this. about that hey oh so what are you <laughs> listening to um uh joe rogan yeah it's like it's like i i subbed to it because it was a good episode she did an episode with a with a legit fem cell like somebody who cannot even like basically she said i can't even get used for a one-night stand define uh, oh, wow, cell. Right. I mean, we, we can we can get into that uh, later in the in the podcast, but because you know, with with this whole um, flood of fem cell articles, that's this mm-hmm. was one of the latest episodes. But she talked about how you know she grew up in like this rich part of Connecticut, and it was like every girl she knew there had an eating disorder. So this is probably and the probably already thin too, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Because like, I'm imagining that if she grew up in the elite in, in elite Connecticut, I'm, I'm assuming that everyone's like. You know, upper classes, people upper are thin. nutrition, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, obesity, I think, is quite correlated with class. It's like, mm-hmm. generally speaking, the poorer you are, the fatter you are. Yeah, yeah so it's an uh, indictment of, of, of where we are right now and where we were back in the 90s that only one of those prob- social problems got any airtime at all. And the other one completely went unnoticed. I went and to an all-girls school and I remember a lot of the girls had eating disorders despite being already thin. Yeah, I'm sure. I think yeah. you gotta be thin to, uh, yeah. I think it, that you become more liable to an eating disorder when you're thin because you're just like I, I just need to lose that up. like five more pounds. But you sh- you know gen- like you know whether it's building muscle or losing weight, the closer you are, it's like the the last few pounds are the hardest to gain or lose. So. Um, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, I think a weird thing that has happened with beauty standards is that how delinked it's gotten from um, the the arbiter or the standard for what's considered attractive is how um, how the opposite sex responds to it. Oh yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So when, when we talk about like girls, you know, young girls with eating disorders, um, by and large, like okay, like coming into adulthood, things like like. But from looking at like like how like the girls that guys would date, and presumably if they date them, find them attractive, there was way less correlation with high fashion model aesthetics than I thought there would be. Yeah, the kinds of guy, the kinds of women that men, straight men, tend to find attractive in real life. Yeah, they don't look like the supermodel types. They don't look like the Kate Mosses or the Linda Evangelistas, or let's go a little weirder for the nineties. Um, like a Kristen McEnany or Stacey McKenzie. Yeah. Like really high fashion, very, very not conventionally attractive looking women. Mm -hmm. Like how many street girls are actually even involved in fashion and like modeling? Uh, I I assume very few, most men there are probably gay, right? Yeah. Most of them. Probably. Um, and I, I mean, like billionaires who who like date models. It's not necessarily the aesthetics; it's that they're supermodels. They it's are considered status, right. It's a it's a sat- status figure to have one of those on your arm. Mm-hmm. It's not really a statement of. I mean, I think in it kind of it, the standards kind of re- evolve around that to normalize that as the standard for women to have to follow to emulate that. But it's not necessarily one to one that this is that billionaires just. Ha- these high status men given the pick of the litter would find that the most attractive necessarily. Yeah. Who knows if they even have sex? Like I, I kind of doubt sometimes like these are all contractual Mm -hmm. arrangements. (laughs) Did you just shudder Jess? I did. Like, like, um, Uh, going to the beauty myth there. Yeah. Like Naomi Wolf does also talk about how, like when she says she blames, you know, patriarchy she's like I, i'm not actually blaming boyfriends and husbands many of whom 
do not find a lot of this appealing at all. Like, I mean, the modern day equivalent would be something like thigh gaps or whatever. Or, you know, back then, I don't know what they were, you know, like visible rib cages. Like no men are actually really into that. And it is this, I mean, I think she describes it as like the, the god of beauty or whatever that, that women essentially sacrifice themselves uh, before. And it's like, you can blame it on patriarchy, but it's not necessarily on, on their, on individual men because most guys don't really dig this. <laughs> most guys can't really see this honestly <laughs> like you guys you guys are not very good at, at distinguishing <laughs> color or texture honestly not you know yeah not really yeah um so you know all these like makeup tutorials are talking about like the perfect shade of pink for your date it's like it really doesn't matter <laughs> this is a this is a woman's world here uh these are aesthetics mm-hmm. that uh, that women are creating and women are propagating amongst each other this is largely outside the realm of men. I don't think you guys notice half the shit that goes are, down. Are you, are you getting honestly. into the whole like women put makeup on for women, especially put it, put it on for men? That whole that whole like kind yeah, of yeah. I think so. I mean to follow up uh, to kind of continue along the whole like delinking aesthetics, uh, gendered aesthetics from like from its ap- appeal to the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. Um, this this might be unusual in human history, right? Where we have aesthetic trends or uh, styles or preferences. Um, that are intragender, not inter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cert- like a, like a lot of the stuff that's uh, like men don't even come into the conversation on makeup most of the time. In fact, a lot of like you see the comments and stuff, you'll be like, "Oh, my husband has no idea why you know like doesn't even like this style or something, or doesn't understand why I spend so much time and effort on this, or you know like, haha, men are so stupid they can't even tell I have makeup on." <laughs> um, or something like that. It'll it's it's completely like disregarding the opinions of men. Um, don't, I don't, don't know think to what extent this just, is true for the other side too. Like, I think I get, there's a I, bit of that. I, I understand that the men are going to understand like the exact you know color or season of makeup or whatever that the woman's putting on and what how they applied it and so on. They did details of it, but but to some extent, aren't the aesthetics a signal? Yeah, I think right? so. Like the men can catch the signals maybe and it tells them like, I'm interested, you're not interested in you or, or you know, you're at my level, you're not my level. Because I was thinking about what you were saying about all of that. And I was thinking about, you know, um, like what Chris was mentioning earlier about like the different fashion subtrends like cottage core and norm core and like all that stuff, right? Cluttercore. Cluttercore. Like those things people do as like, they do it for, maybe for themselves and for people who are in that subculture. But they maybe also do it to signal to other people that like I'd be interested in spending time with you or hanging out with you. That's right? fair, like, yeah. Like think about like um, you know, goths. Like goths don't date bankers. Goths <laughs> date goths. You know what I mean, right? Uh-huh. But it's it's an aesthetic choice, but it's also an aesthetic signal to other people. Hey, you're you're one of us. You're I want to be in your circle. And so there's that. I think there's that aspect to it as well. Sure, uh, that's that's yeah. very fair. Yeah, it's more a sign of like an in-group positioning. Like if you are a goth, chances are uh, you're not looking for any interest from somebody who spends a lot of time in the outdoors, <laughs> stuff right. like that. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. If you're right, going if for you're, a boho you're wearing... aesthetic, you're probably not going to be into like a tech person or something. I take that one back immediately. I know a lot of tech couples like that, though. Never mind. Well, you look at Grimes, who's not goth, but she's very um, what whatever the hell she is. Yeah, but is Elon Musk tech? I just opened it. That's a that's a whole nother can of worms. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this though. Then okay, so if women aren't putting on makeup or you know getting cosmetic procedures for men, then are are they doing it for themselves? And if so, how how independent is that of you know what Naomi Wolf would call like this uh, this oppressive beauty myth structure that's imposed upon by a misogynist uh, forces. It's it's depends on how you relate to all of it. Um, like if you're getting, um, I think, well, a I think it's a lie that you just get, that you just do all that for yourself. If you don't, if you have zero out, like if you were out there, if you were like lived alone in the woods, but somehow had access to all like plastic surgery and everything, would you still do it? That's the ultimate test of that. And you're going to see a lot more. No, like if I'm just trapped out in the woods, I'm not doing any of this shit. No, <laughs> it's a lie. If you're saying it's, you want something out of it. So that aside, you know, with that out of the way, then the question is, you know, what specifically are your reasons for doing it some are healthy some are not 
and the debate right now, you know, it's and it's going to be an ongoing one. There is never going to be an, an absolute solution for this is just encouraging people to think very carefully about why they are doing this. And I actually like that that subreddit. I didn't know about it until you brought it up. But, you know, how to be hot, or how to be hot or vindictive. Yeah. Uh, how to be high. I think that people do do it for their own self-esteem, but they don't mm-hmm. they're not honest about where their self-esteem is really coming from mm, and their right. self-esteem is coming from validation from others. Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's from women, maybe it's from men. If you're if you are yeah, a woman, it, if it's a woman, maybe it's from other it's all women. Right? Maybe it's from other men, but yeah, if they were on Mars alone, they wouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like these are this, I mean, I think one thing that that uh like social media disguises is just how invasive some of the stuff is, how all encompassing, like if you were, it's, if you were, if you were to fully like try to live up to all the standards that are out there, it's, this would be more than a full-time job. We've tried to price this before. Remember that? Yeah. Well, we were like, how much does her face cost? And we were just like, (laughs) okay, so Let's see. Let's look at the before picture. Let's scroll back a couple years and see what her old lips look like. And we, we would look at it and be like, okay, well, she probably has like one syringe in the top lip, one syringe in the bottom lip, depending on where you are. And if you're on the coasts like we are, one syringe is about seven fifty. So that's, you know, that's seven fifty for the top lip, seven fifty dollars. One syringe of filler. Yes. What what so, does filler consist of? Filler Usually is ha- just it's it's just like um like collagen. Uh, no, it's no, not. No, no, it's no, hyaluronic it's not acid. It's various uh it's various grades of hyal- hyaluronic it's, acid. Yeah, it's, oh, that's it's, the stuff they put in facial moisturizers. Yes. And it okay. basically would just get absorbed by your body as it wears off. Mm-hmm. It's not toxic. So anyway, they would inject one syringe, one milliliter into your upper lip and then another one into your bottom lip. And so that's seven hundred fifty dollars. For each lip, Jesus, damn and now it. you've got inflated lips. And then let's talk about like what's another trend right now? Uh, cheekbone oh, I mean, filler. So you need yeah. seven fifty for one cheek, seven fifty for the other cheek. What's another big thing? The V line chin, more oh, filler. Man. It probably that's takes three or four syringes. Three for or that. four. So you need about two syringes on each side of your chin, and then probably one for the 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 tip of your chin to make it a little pointier. Yep. Is that Botox, Botox is just stand? That- no. No, Botox only goes above. So Botox can only be on your forehead and your crow's feet. You can't, you can't do Botox on the lower two thirds of your face. That has to be filler. But Botox is still expensive. Yeah. We're talking about $400 per area. So if you get it on your forehead, that's $400. If you get it on your crow's feet, that's $400. If you get it on that, you know, those 11s you get in between your eyebrows? That's another four hundred. I I heard of women getting Botox in like their jaw muscles to relax them to get smaller jaws. Oh yeah, that's Did a I thing. Just the masseters. Yeah, that's like a no, new that's thing. A, that's, oh, that's a four hundred right there. Yeah, and then in six and then in six months you got to do it all over again. Right, because it doesn't last. So yeah. it it all wears off. It's not permanent, and the permanent stuff is ridiculously expensive and dangerous. And very mm-hmm. invasive, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately what we're talking about here is another way to launder money. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about these beauty standards, if we're not talking about its relation to money, we're not having a full, we're not having a full honest conversation here. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a, there's like plastic surgery has come really far. Uh, Liza can back me up on this one. And, you know, plastic surgeons are legit stars on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, are. They get invited to the Oscars. Um, wait, when, really? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they do. When there's like a celebrity wedding, there'll be like a team of plastic surgeons there. Oh, wow. They're not even hiding it anymore. No, they're no, not they're hiding not. it. I think, I think that's one of the reasons why so much work has become so obvious is because it's another signal. It's like mm-hmm. a status symbol where it's like, look at my lips. I spent like... I spent what fifteen hundred dollars on my lips today, and I'm going to do it all over again in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't mean to bump you off, uh, whatever you're going to say. So maybe we can address this later. But I think that's a very interesting, like, kind of moral question. What do we think about the normalization and um, like cheapening? Not, not, not like in a financial sense of cosmetic surgery, like. Because I think a lot of us object to it because it is often very painful and very expensive. But let's say we live in a future. Where, all right, imagine this. You can get zapped by a ray, instantaneous, 
kind of feels like a mild burn and you get like like a great ass or you grow like half a foot what is our moral objection to that if any like how can we say that's wrong when it is let's say it's like 200 bucks a pop or something i would say some things got totally normalized to the point where like no one even blinks their eye at it anymore like if someone gets a boob job and it's like revealed to the world most people will probably just be like yes so right but do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing Probably a bad thing. I think that stuff now is the the stuff that's shocking now is finding out that people got like these new experimental surgeries, like dudes that want to make themselves like six six inches taller or something. Right. That that was like, like another I think we frowned down. That, yeah. I, I remember that podcast that you guys did, but that's mm-hmm. what I was thinking about. Where it's like that's so experimental and dangerous that I think that that's what we're upset about. Like that's what we are probably uh a skeptical about but something like a boob job is like come on you can do that in like an afternoon and then you'll be back out you'll be restaurant ready like by monday you know if you do it like a friday afternoon you could probably go out on by monday or tuesday i don't know i Mm. imagine that the technology is there that they can do it so fast Mm -hmm. i mean you probably don't want to go jogging you know you probably want to work but you could probably still go out I mean, these days, like, a facelift only takes a couple of weeks to just be able to be out in public without looking too weird. And back in the days of, like, Diane von Furstenberg or, like, in the 80s, you know, like the Joan Rivers days, it would be, like, a whole year that you would take to heal. Mm -hmm. That's like the BBL right now. And maybe in the future, it'll be, like, a month. Well, I think that BBLs can be done in two different ways. I think that you can do the surgery where they take the fat from one part of your body, like your inner thigh, Mm -hmm. and then they put it in your butt. I don't know where else they take the fat from. Um, I think the back or the thighs, yeah. And then they also do like injections. Oh, you mean from like an artificial source? Like Like uh, the same mm -hmm. way they inflate your lips. Mm -hmm. They could inflate your butt too. But that's temporary. It's temporary, but like you could probably like if you're going on vacation or something or you've got like a trip to the beach, you could probably get it done on a Thursday <laughs> and then by Friday you have like a big butt for the beach. You could I wear a thong that. bikini, you know? And then by Monday that. you're back to normal and it, it wasn't you didn't have to spend thousands like, of dollars or recover for six months to a year for it. Oh, man. Cinderella's inflatable ass. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Pump it up like your uh, Nikes. D- different meaning of pump. Clock, clock strikes at midnight, you're done. I think that my biggest objection to a lot of um, makeup culture or like even plastic surgery <clears throat> is probably just how much like, okay, so we've talked about how like online world and it's like there's globalized competition. We're not just competing here in the US, we're competing against girls in like South Korea you know, or like Russia. So is everyone just morphing to European standards or are we actually like, are we actually normalizing like different ethnic standards of beauty? Jess, remember that um, pod oh, we did? Wait, about- wait, oh, but weren't you saying like everyone's kind of becoming this like masculine, weird, um, like this thing that might look good momentarily on on a flat phone screen, but in real life looks terrible. Yeah. I think I answered my own question. I think, are Mm -hmm. we trying to just like, everyone's trying to become more, more angular, which is just Euro standards, like makeup tutorials, all about Euro standards, how to contour your nose to make it skinnier, how to contour your cheekbones, your brow ridges, and that area between your eyebrows, your chin, how to make it all look angular. I don't think Mm -hmm. so. I don't think so. And, and and it was the thing I was asking Jess. Jess, remember that pod we did about uh, sex workers in Vietnam in Ho Chi Minh City, mm-hmm. right? And remember the part in the book where she was talking about how at the high-end clubs, the models, hostesses, whatever, who were there, all had plastic surgery to look more like Korean, like K-pop stars. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Right? And not specifically mm-hmm. like not, you know, the Eurocentric look, like those kinds of enhancements, Right. Um, it's real. I think it's really about that, like the the center of power you're trying to emulate. Yeah, yeah but, but those K-pop stars often also have, you know, very narrow, high bridge noses, double eyelids. Well, they don't look like the the Ashley V and the things that we just looked at, right? Like those are the Eurocentric. Stat- like I didn't <laughs> the things. 
Right, yeah, but well. it, it's it's veer it's veering towards much closer to that than let's say like the most stereotypical Korean face, which would be like broad, small eyes, flat nose, that kind of thing. That is definitely not what they want to look like. They well, I I don't, I don't know what you mean. I'm, I'm saying that they want to look like like they want to follow the aesthetics of K-pop stars. They're not they don't want to follow the aesthetics that like actually they're not be trying to be Taylor Swift. They're not trying to be Taylor Swift. They're also yeah. not trying to be like you know Pamela Anderson. So is there? So are they is, trying right? to just become? Are they trying to just look more like, like mixed, like no, ethnically more, ambiguous? No, no. Well, I, I guess think you that's could what it, that I, I think the author mentioned that as kind of a byproduct, an uncomfortable byproduct, right? What does it mean about a standard of beauty if the standard is completely outside your own like ethnic group, right? That's an uncomfortable thing to to wrestle with. Um, but it's it's more that this is this look is what's emblematic of a high status woman in this particular culture at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also contrasted that with uh, sex workers at the lowest range. Um, oh, and by the way, like the the high high end uh, sex workers cater to a primarily like Asian East, particularly East Asian clientele. So it's like businessmen from like Korea or Japan or China uh, coming to Vietnam for investment. And then these uh, are they ever called sexpats? (laughs) They should. Maybe. Maybe. I I swear to God, among Asian Internet, if you say someone's a sexpat, they always mean white people that are roaming around in Asia. Yeah, we don't don't talk nearly enough about the the actual like like Asian American (laughs) or like Asian Asian. Well, I would um, say that the vast, like, for example, in the Philippines, the vast majority of the sexpats are probably Chinese. Yeah, we don't do nearly enough. They get caught on They're the ones with the money. Jess, they get caught on that book, uh, like the the, uh, Viet Q, right, who come over Mm -hmm. and stuff, right? Yeah, Um, the second gen. Yeah. Vietnamese Americans, yeah. Yeah. Um, But... Was interesting about like when she talked about beauty standards, like uh, sex workers of the lowest range, the ones who would be primarily catering to like like white, uh, like white Americans or Australians or, or people like that, they'd be the ones to play up kind of a a, a, a bit of a caricature. Like they were the ones who, if uh, like the high end ones wouldn't get breast implants, but the but the ones at the low end would. They mm-hmm. want the big, like the big artificial boobs. They'd actually put bronzer on to look darker than they actually were to kind of play up the whole like like exotic angle. Mm-hmm. Would they get and their then, eyes and noses done? Uh, yeah, but again, like st- styled more to cater to the like white Western clientele. Right. So kind of. I mean, you know, you know, there's always like a story. I don't know how how much they exaggerate in the Western media, but you know, every year there's like this outrage they say among China about how I don't know some fashion company, uh, it, I don't know, uh, goes into China and they pick some model and she, they think she look, basically looks too chinky, and they're like, "Why do you pick such an ugly person? We got so many beautiful." big-eyed, big-nosed women? Why do you pick one with such, like, small eyes and, and a flat nose? Uh, but that would explain, because if, if these societies themselves uh, hierarchize these looks, like, so, you know, the, Philip, what you were talking about, like, the K-pop look, that's the highest. Uh, in East Asia, then, yeah, for that in East Asia, clientele. But then the actual more, like, the look that evokes the image of, of like, the village peasant, dark skin, small eyes, uh, mm-hmm. flat nose or whatever that's you know th- that's, that's what the, the western low. guys are looking that's for the yeah. low and and yeah, yeah I, th- I think there's two takeaways for me from this is one that it is it is localized it's not just the eurocentric you know porn star look or whatever the fuck you know ashley v's gravitated towards it's localized and also it's still, it's still driven by the male gaze despite what naomi wolf is saying right it's the men who dictate what mm-hmm. these girls no, that's are a, that is what towards. naomi wolf is saying okay Okay, fine. What she's saying, yeah. right? But that's the other factor too. I think I think men's desires are still involved here. Yeah, my only my only addition to the conversation is saying I think what beauty standard talk is always lacking is a discussion on like class, how all of this is mediated by by how the per, how this person the per, any person that we're talking about it, it relates to beauty standards is through what kind of class position they want to occupy. Mm-hmm. Like Ashley V is clearly not trying is to me clearly not not angling for like I don't know high finance money here, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I, like I, it's a- I, to- I totally agree, Jess. And, and when when Chris first mentioned that Naomi Naomi Wolf said that like back in the day, bustier and like you know heavier women, if you want to call it that, were more desirable because of the the childbearing features. I actually have read before that 
um, larger women were desired like back in the 1700s, 1800s, because it meant they were richer because they had food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a class. It's entirely what what uh, what rich people are up to that dis- determines beauty standards. I think you reject that and say like uh, there's like alt cultures that are kind of an explicit rejection of that, but it still doesn't mean that class is not uh, a driver for their their preferred aesthetics. It still means that they're very consciously rejecting that in some way. Um, and I don't I don't think uh, it's I think we're in an era of caricature and exaggeration. Um, like when, you know, when the nineties were closing out and people in the, you know, like the body positivity movement started it like, Eliza, can you, like, this was a long time ago. So if maybe my memory isn't that great on this, but I got the feeling when the first days of that movement, it was just about like expanding the range of what was considered like healthy and attractive a little bit wider than it was. I remember that the, there was like. Do you remember the Barbies? So there was like Barbie and then there was Happy to Be Me doll. Thanks for listening to part one. Part two is available over at our Patreon feed. If you're not a Patreon subscriber, go to www.patreon.com slash planamag. Thanks.